this is Give Me Some Truth. This podcast features appearances from Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and myself, Mitch DeWitt, from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. Here are your hosts. to give me some truth. Today we have Jonathan, we have Clint, and we have myself, Mitch, in the booth here, and we also have a tripod. We have a camera watching us as well, and we're going to post the video of us recording in the booth here today for Give Me Some Truth. So welcome back to all the listeners and potentially the viewers that are here with us as well. That's a hopefully. It's amazing. Hopefully. <laughs> well, that's a good point. If the video actually syncs up well with the audio and everything, and assuming we look okay, then then yes, hopefully the video viewers will be watching as well. It's not our forte. I mean, I would say that, uh, I don't know if either one of you had a class in like media, but I did not. No. So I don't know how to edit video, and we're going to learn. That's definitely not my skill set. But Not mine either. But we'll make it work. That's right. So thanks for joining us. Today, we are going to be talking about upcoming elections. As a lot of you know, midterms are right around the corner at the time of this recording. We're about a week out, a little less than a week, actually. And we're going to talk about not only the elections and, and how that might sway some things in the political world, but also what are some of the ramifications that we could see in the markets and also what we have learned from historical measures as well with politics, midterm elections, and the markets. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And Clint, do you want to start us off a little bit diving into the topic here? Yeah, I'll start with a a caveat. First of all, we're not taking any political stance uh, as a firm. Walkner Condon is politically agnostic uh, because we have to be. We have clients on both sides of the aisle. Um, What we're doing is trying to look at it from a a pragmatic view through data. Um, That's how we do our jobs here at Walkner Condon in managing money and making financial decisions. Uh, we do what the data tells us to do. And uh, you know we look at statistical uh, analysis and we look at what the most likely scenarios are. And, and one thing too I think that's interesting is um, just because it says that I think that we get this bias and when we see something is maybe an 80% chance, we don't realize that two out of 10 times it actually is gonna go the other way. So you know, I think we saw that with the last political uh, election, you know, people were saying, what's wrong with all these models? They got it all wrong. Trump won. And it's like, well, you know, a lot of the models had a 20% chance or 15% chance that Donald Trump was going to win. And lo and behold, he won. So sometimes the 20% actually comes to fruition. So we'll talk about different scenarios into there. Um, you know, John, how much do you follow politics? Is it something that you enjoy and follow? Because I, I know I, I love to follow it and, and kind of digest it a bit. Well, I loved to follow politics back in the day, but I think more recently, I'm sure there are people out there listening that probably can understand that it, it's kind of hard to follow politics right now because a lot of it's negative and it's, you know, there's not a lot of p- positive stories about people working together. But over the years, I mean, I grew up in Washington, D.C. I grew up around politics. I 
you know, grew up around the White House with my dad being a Secret Service agent, but it didn't matter who was in office, he always went to work and his job was to protect whoever was put in office and whoever Congress said that uh, they needed to protect. So, But in terms of following it nowadays, I follow it to the extent that I need to know these things as we give advice. I talk to my clients about what's going on in the world of politics and just in the world in general, world news, which, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that's going on out there today. And I know I've seen a lot of people have already voted. And I think that's a really great thing. I think people getting out there, the, the democracy that we live in is one of the greatest things that we could ever, uh, you know, have been born into. But at the same time, it's got flaws. And one of the only ways that we can make a difference as, as an individual is to get out there and vote. So, And I think some of my interest in it is is that connection, right? So there there are some things that happen in the political world that do have a connection to the markets, to our clients, to financial planning. And for me, that's that's where my interest lies. And one of the easiest examples of, of recent memory is tax reform, right? So 2016, new president comes in or gets elected, and next thing you know, tax reform is one of the things on the agenda, and that has some ramifications for for us and our clients and, and the strategies that we approach with with that connection there. So for me, that's kind of the link. How do the markets react to, to certain things that are happening in the political landscape? And as we look at uh, demographics and likelihood of certain scenarios playing out, um, I think that it's safe to say that uh, the Republicans have a tough job holding on to uh, their majority overall. So obviously, legislatively, it's a lot easier to get things done when you have uh, you know, a House and a Senate and then the presidency all aligned. And we saw that most recently with Barack Obama and the landmark pieces of legislation out of there being Dodd-Frank, um, regulatory reform there, and then also the Affordable Care Act. Um, and then you saw it on the other side with the Republicans passing uh, tax reform, um, you know, being their flagship piece of legislation more recently. So, uh, you know, when we look at the scenarios in here and making some predictions, uh, the map uh, for the Republicans in the House uh, is fairly unfavorable because of so many races. You know, every two years the races, you know, reset. And we're starting to see that the uh, generic ballot for the Democrats is running somewhere in that 6 to 8% range. Um, so the Democrats are ahead. And, and so what sort of uh, ramifications does that have, gentlemen, on, uh, on the House? So, well, John, do you want to take it or do you want oh, me to take it? Yeah, so uh, depending on, I've got some stats here from MS, uh, MFS, excuse me. And it basically looks at, okay, depending on how Congress is, is it the same political party as the White House? Is it split? What does that look like? And if you take all that as a whole, it actually says that no matter what, the six months following an election, a midterm election, the S&P 500, and, and they use S&P 500 as, quote, the market in this case. And they say that six-month period following the election, so basically November till the following April, is up a little over 15%, actually 15.3%, and that's on average, right? So there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, but most of the time it is, in fact, up. Now, as you break that down and unpack it a little bit, okay, what is it like where there's a, a Democrat president, Republican Congress, how is it like now we have a Republican president, so we'll focus on those areas, Republican president and split Congress, well, then all of a sudden it kind of backs down, and that following six month over time averages about 7.1% return for U.S. stocks. 
So you can break this down in a lot of different ways, but over time, and again, historically, since the 60s is, is this particular study, looking at the S&P from 1960 until now, and over time, it has reacted favorably. Yeah, and you look at the uh, one thing that an article that I saw from Market Watch, um, they mentioned this, and I'll read the quote. It says, a quick look at historical performance shows that stocks often see rough sledding in the September of years that feature midterm elections and other years as well. For midterm years, analysts often chalk it up to uncertainty since midterms typically see the incumbent president's parties lose seats, which I think is more likely to be the case now. That same look at historical performance shows that stocks tend to do just fine as Election Day nears and in the aftermath of the vote, regardless of the outcome as the uncertainty begins to fade. So, um, you know, I think it's really interesting. We had a pretty bad September, and now maybe things will thaw out a little bit. And uh, one other stat that I saw here, which I love this name, Binky Chadha, chief strategist at Deutsche Bank, Notice that the three-month period running from a month ahead to two months after the election has produced a median 8% gain, and that includes only one decline, a 4% drop in 1978 over that period in the last 21 midterm years. Now, uh, Chadka also said that that's a sample of just 21 elections, which warrants caution when it comes to interpreting correlations, and there's other seasonal factors and other other th factors in there as well. Um, but, you know, I think it's a really interesting note there that that commonly you see the market rally uh, before an election and then after the election, and it looks very favorable for stock market returns, regardless of who wins. Yeah, and historically, you know, there's been numerous times where the Democrats have taken seats and taken over control of the House, or the Republicans have taken enough seats to take control of the House or, or Senate and Congress, essentially. But you know, you try and extrapolate that data from uh, three month or even one month to one year, it is historically favored Democrats, you know, to the tune of after 12 months, you know, 14, 4.45% average increase in the market uh, on those 10 takeovers they've had and the Republicans 10. This is data through 2014, you know, from Forbes, but the Republicans was 10.95. Now both were up, but one would conclude based off of this, they would say, well, if the Democrats take over, it'll be a greater increase over one year for the S&P 500. But that's just part of the story. There's there's the longer-term ramifications and whether or not there's a recession that comes. And for long-term investors, making that prediction on a one-year, three-month return, you know, it tends to not not be something that uh, is, is beneficial uh, just based off of the political fact, you know, factors. I mean, there's there's indicators that during years of whether or not the AFC or the NFC wins the Super Bowl, whether or not it's going to be a good stock market year. And there's actually people out there that follow the Super Bowl in indicator. Is that causation? <laughs> <It's>, exactly. <laughs> but it, it, it's one of those things that we, you know, we, we stress to our clients to say, hey, you know, we, we can predict what we think is going to happen in an election, but it doesn't change our feelings on whether, whether or not, you know, long-term equities are a good investment in your portfolio and whether or not U.S. is, is more attractive based on things like earnings and the, uh, you know, growth potential, the price to earnings ratio, whether or not we're looking at, uh, you know, for global stocks, you know, what's been their long-term track record. So those are the things that we look at for long-term investors, even more important than these short-term political things. And there are, oh, sorry. Go ahead, I was going to say there are so many variables too, right? And you just mentioned a handful of them. If you're looking at some of the fundamentals of, of the companies themselves, of the stocks that you own, but even just macroeconomic 
factors as well, because we're somewhat isolating a little bit just some of this election data and midterm data, right? Which tells a story, but there are so many more variables out there. And we're, we're in this nine market, nine year plus bull run market. And so that's another thing to consider. We're in this rising interest rates environment. So there's all these other things at a macro level that are going on that are part of the conversation besides just this midterm discussion. I think that's a great point. And I think the other point to be made here is, is that, uh, you know, I think we make a little too much of governments and legislation and governmental intervention and extrapolate that into the stock market too much. I mean, the stock market we need to just review is you're buying shares of companies and really what you're you're buying these shares of companies in the prospects of future gain and future going concern for these companies and then also future growth for these companies. So, you know, the legislation that we have does have an impact. The government does have an impact. I just don't think it's as large as people anticipate. You know, just because we have the tax code changes doesn't mean that every company now is going to be wildly successful with their growth growth rates. It's a help to them to have lower tax rates, but it's not something that's so much of a driver of rate of returns um, that we need to, you know, go and, and buy a bunch of stock just because some legislation passed or Dodd-Frank didn't single-handedly destroy the whole stock market because we added some regulation to the system as well. So, you know, let's not overrate any of that stuff here. And I think this data is is great. And I th- think that it shows that there's a little post-election bounce due to the removal of, of uncertainty, but it's perhaps not as large as, as we would all believe. And it, it, it is, you know, there is a positive correlation. So I, I think there's a reasonable chance that we will see a bounce regardless of the scenarios happening. So Mitch, going through kind of some of the data and everything, w- what's the most likely scenario to happen here I- after the election? Sure. So most likely... And there's a, there's a few different things that are pointing to this, but I'm looking at an article that I've been following on Seeking Alpha, and the source is 538, and they say that there's an 84% chance that Democrats would control the House, 82% chance that Republicans will still control the Senate after the elections. And why is that? It's demographics again, right? You know, with the Senate, I don't know how closely you guys follow this, but... Um, I know that demographics play a huge role in that, and there's just a lot more Democrats having to uh, defend their own seats in the Senate, and that's why the the Senate map is unfavorable to Democrats there and more favorable to Democrats on the House side. Exactly. And again, kind of playing devil's advocate here, and Clint brought this up earlier, is look at all the polls in 2016, right? It's still just a poll, and they come up with this number, and it sounds great, right? And, And we may even believe it, but there's still that outside chance, right? And, and I remember in 2016, there was really only one poll that said Donald Trump actually is probably going to take this thing, and that was from the University of Southern California. So as the USC, LA Times, they've got some fancy name for the poll. But they were really one of the only ones that were on an island saying that, yeah, this is actually, according to our data, that Trump could win this thing. Except for Do- Donald Trump had a poll that he owned somewhere. The, the Donald said, Trump <laughs> It's going to happen. Poll. Yeah. Yeah. So his brain. That was called the Crooked Hillary poll, or whatever <laughs> you called it. Yeah, exactly. And and no the one Donald. had really heard of this. Maybe outside of of South Southern California, you know, West Coast readers, but no one was paying attention to that poll until they realized, oh, that that poll nailed it. Yeah. 
Well, and, and you know, the way that polling has been going on for years and years and years, but when you go back and look at what are the ramifications, you know, first off, you got to look and see what does Congress do? They control the purse strings. They're the ones that set the laws. They're the one that passed the budget, and that starts right in the House of Representatives, gets pushed up to the Senate where it's reconciled, it's put together and brought to the president to be signed if they can come to an agreement. Now, if we have a Democratic House moving forward, and there's an 84% chance, according to that uh, that uh, analysis there, that that, that happens— you know, the budget that's going to get put forth to the Republicans is immediately going to be rejected. And they're going to come back, the Republicans in the House, if they hold the House. And even if the Democrats were to take uh, the, the Senate as well, they could pass a budget and put it into the, uh, into the Senate, and they, don't, they would not have the votes to veto or to, to override the veto that Trump would have. So what do we have? We have what we've been operating off of for pretty much the last nine years, which is called a continuing resolution, which is where they basically lock in with a the cap on the increase in spending of what the government can do. And we've been running at deficits now for years and years and years. In fact, our, our national debt has gotten to the point where it's extremely high, over $20 trillion. What, is, what does that mean? We're gonna, but it's business as usual. Through those nine years that you've just mentioned, Mitch, that was a nine-year bull market. And I think you know our clients and people out there that have been investing have seen good returns in their investments. Now, down the road, this could have a, a drastic impact on the future generations and their ability because of the fact that we'll need higher taxes to pay off the debt load that we're taking on. It's scary because we might be passing on a worse generation, you know, a worse economic situation to a generation for the first time ever in U.S. history. So there are things that need to be fixed, and but regardless who gets in there, they're going to have to work together. Now, the question is, does anyone else out there believe that that's going to happen? No. But, <laughs> but we've lived through in all the times of the stock market. And by the way, there's other investments that, that we manage within our portfolios that have nothing to do with the U.S. stock market. But, you know, from the, we're talking specifically about this one. We've lived through World War II, two nuclear bombs going off. We've lived through Cold War. We lived through presidential assassination. We've lived through two presidents being impeached. We lived through a Vietnam War that many people didn't want to be in. We lived through a very bad recession in the 70s, where there was high inflation and very low wage growth and the U.S. stock market didn't grow, we lived through savings and loan crisis in the 80s, the 90s. You know, we had a Gulf War that, again, nobody wanted to be in, and a recession in the early 90s, and then a booming market, and then suddenly a dot-com bust, and then the worst recession we've ever been through in 2008 and 2009. And, as many people would say, a Donald Trump election. All of those things we've been through. Yet... Here we are a month ago before the massacre of October that we just went through, and here we are on Halloween. A lot trend, of people don't know. It up at the end of October. It is, but, but if, there, if, if it ends up closed today, this would be the first time since 1970. It would be the most down days the market's had in a month since 1970. Yet, here we are a month ago, the market was at its all-time high. And for those that have been saving and diversifying and investing through all political cycles, have had a much better chance of achieving their long-term financial goals by staying invested, staying disciplined, not paying attention to the noise, voting for who they want to vote for, for the things that they care about, but yet continuing to invest and continuing to, to plan for their future. John, one thing that you mentioned, actually, the, the word impeach, you said we've been through that, right? And yeah. some people are saying, okay, well, how do midterms affect that, right? And I'll put this to, to John or Clint, but... Let's just say that this likely scenario happens where we're saying that Democrats are in the House and Republicans control the Senate, and Donald Trump's still there, of course. And what happens if 
for impeachment for a second. Do- what, Donald what Trump just happen? announced yesterday that he's going to pass an executive order that they can't impeach anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm hearing all these impeach 45 yeah. chants on the news and all these things, right? Yeah, so yeah. so yeah. How, how could that change? Any it's of not. Discussion? Well, okay. I mean, what's likely to happen is um, there's going to be a lot of subpoenas uh, that are sent in through the House uh, committees, and they're going to bottleneck up legislation uh, for the next two years in all likelihood. So there will likely be some impeachment proceedings, or it'll just be a lot of document requests. And that really does bog down the administrations because you're talking about hundreds of thousands of pages of documents that have to be sent uh, to counsel back and forth. So um, it's highly unlikely that you're going to get to see a lot of bona fide legislation. Um, When they talked about uh, legislative uh, items that Nancy Pelosi wanted to bring up. Um, immigration is there, and uh, they won't talk about infrastructure a bit as well. And so I, I think that you're probably not going to get anything done from either one of those items. Um, they can talk as much as they want, but I think the Democrats will be content waiting for the 2020 election uh, to see if it's a, a blue wave sort of election, and then they can try to get some stuff done. And the Republicans are probably going to wait around for the same thing uh, because they're going to get blocked in the House um, because the Democrats have been, uh, they stick together very much. Uh, they've been very, they've shown a lot of solidarity, and it's unlikely that you're going to see a whole lot of legislation get passed. So unless Trump does something much differently uh, in the way that he, he governs, um, you're probably not going to see a whole lot get done the next two years uh, if if that occurs. Now, if the Republicans uh, somehow pull it off in the House and maintain their House majority as well as the Senate, they'll probably be emboldened to do a few more things. Uh, and it remains to be seen whether it's going to be more spending bills or whether we're going to finally see a little bit of austerity there. I think it's unlikely you'll see austerity because austerity doesn't generate votes. Yeah, and, and, and you, you'd say predictions sure to go wrong. I was one of the few people in my circle of friends and and uh, people that I hang out with that talked, and I said I thought that uh, Donald Trump was going to win, not because I was a Donald Trump supporter, but I felt like the political climate was against career politicians and was basically fed up with everything that was going on in politics pretty much throughout the, the administration of Obama and even even George W. Bush. And there was just this, this you know, push for uh, I'm willing to set aside any of my beliefs on what uh, you know morality should be in my president have somebody who's an outsider and give give them a chance um, it, it remains to be seen but it, if you go and look at, at the way elections have gone and mid you know these special elections that Trump um, his the, the, that outsider push has has won some of those elections too so it'd be interesting to see how this one goes goes down but at the end of the day you know the next presidential election will be they'll start campaigning within a few months and you'll start to see more political talk, and you'll start to hear more political noise, and they'll want to tie everything that's going on to whatever's going on in politics. But, you know, here at Walkner Condon, and, and we believe that just just in general, you know, taking a look at your own personal situation, your, your own personal goals, and, and kind of ignoring that noise, paying attention to it, but ignoring the noise of how is this going to affect you, because the greatest things that will affect you are saving money, spending less than you make, or you know, in making sure that you're you're putting towards those goals, having a plan in place, and then working with with us to to help you figure out what's the best way to get to that plan to give you the highest probability of success, and managing that risk. Yeah, yeah, well said, well said. And so now let's just have a little fun here, a little prediction time because uh, check back on this one. I, I don't. Yeah, check back on this one. I don't. I don't really like to make market predictions. So um, let's make some pol- political predictions, Mitch. 
Republicans take the Senate and the House. Is that going to happen? Yes. Okay, so the re- Republicans will take, will keep the Senate. Keep the Senate. And they're going to keep the House too. Oh, Repu- Oh, sorry. <laughs> Re-ask that question. Okay. Republicans keep the Senate. Keep the Senate. Democrats take the House. Take the House. Jonathan, this is a good. See, this is a guy who bets on the betting lines. He he heard yeah. the percentages and he goes there. It's true, I did. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I don't think any of these predictions are based off of our own our no, beliefs of what no. they're just what we think is going to happen, not what we want to happen. Um, I feel like this. My, me personally, there was a lot that went into the Kavanaugh hearings, and there was a lot of on both sides. And I think that that there's there was going to be a push that, that there's going to be just barely enough house seats kept for the republicans that'll um because those races have been tightening up a lot i think they easily take keep the senate just based on the demographics um but i think there's going to be enough republicans that are going to go to the other side with the democrats and still start the process of subpoenas and impeachment hearings. That's wow. my prediction. That's a bold one. That's a bold prediction. So Republicans I'm guaranteed keep both if the sides Democrats get it though they're going to do and it, impeachment still moves I still forward. Think, I still think that it's going to move forward okay. because I think that there are enough Republicans that knowing that they're past the midterm ele- elections yeah. are going to do their best because I don't think that the Republicans really want Trump back in again. They just want him for the campaign trail. That's that's an interesting Cause take because he, he he brings votes. I so, like so that for take. right now. I'm going with hot the, the projections. You know, hot take from John and yeah. third Clint. What what is your? I'm thought? shocked, man. I, I like I like where you're at, Mitch. I think that the Democrats take take the uh, House. They'll um, they won't have Bunch enough of front to maintain runners the, over here. the Senate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but okay, let's let's go to the other races then more locally. Then um, are we all consensus that Tammy Baldwin is going to win? Yes. Yes. Okay. She wins by how much? At least ten. Significant. I think she wins a significant amount. She wins by ten. I think she wins by a significant amount. I think she wins by six or seven. What do you okay. think, Mitch? You think less it's a than landslide? ten. It's yeah. going to be less than ten. Yeah, I, I think, think so too. I think I'll so say kind of in between you two. Yeah. 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 And then um, uh, the other races, I'm trying to think of um, Evers and uh, Ever. Well, I, okay, that's the big one. Let's yep. let's go there. Evers or Walker? Oh, I was not prepared to answer that question coming into this. Part of me thinks that we could see a change, but I, I don't know. I, I do not I, know. I think I think Evers, uh, even though I didn't think he did well in his debate that I saw, um, I think he wins, and I think he wins because he's he's a soft-spoken moderate. He's not uh, an extreme on one edge or the other, and I think that's important in an election like this where there's enough people that are frustrated uh, with Walker since he took a national uh, profile. So. That's what I think is going to happen. I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, with Evers by one point. I, I think, think it's going to be really tight. tight. I think okay. it's going to be really tight. I think you're hanging chats. Walker has that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I hope not. Uh, well, yeah, Walker does have that incumbent advantage, um, but I don't know. I don't know if that incumbent advantage is really playing that much anymore. So I would say Evers by a point because I think that uh, Wisconsin turns blue again. Overall, I think you're going to see a a pretty large blue wave in the Midwest in particular in Wisconsin. That's yeah. that's what the statistics tell us. Too. And feel free to reach out and call us and tell us, you know, your predictions. If you want to talk politics with us, um, you know, give us a call and we'll change the subject real quick. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about your kids and your grandkids that's and how's so everything true. at work. What did you dress up for as Halloween? Right, right. So. <laughs> and, and I think no matter what happens, right, is that we still have a long-term approach. We're not going to try to change any any 
thing in our investment strategy when even if there is a move in the market, right? We are in this for the long term. We're we're investing toward long term goals, and no matter what happens. We're not going to change our approach. We're still going to help our clients manage their risk, and we're still going to make sure that they're in the best position that we can get them in to make sure that they achieve those goals. Yep. Well, thanks again for joining us and giving some truth. We'll uh, reconvene in another episode. Hope you'll join us, and uh, uh, thanks very much for listening. you got to leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to the sky. Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and Mitch DeWitt are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make should be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.